So, why all this talk about being with Jesus and being around Jesus? And I feel that we need to clarify very clearly that Jesus is at the center of all that we do. As we talk about discipleship or small groups today, we need to recognize that Jesus is the one at the center. Not just of our story, but of all that we do. He is at the center of discipleship. He is the king. So when you see on your bulletin, our circles, Jesus is at the center of all that we do. Our worship, our small groups, in all that we do, Jesus needs to be at the center. In Acts chapter 2, if you want to flip over there, we have a great passage on how the early church operated. And it's held up as, as this ideal community for people and, and believers to live in. I'll, re- I'll read this to you. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and following. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is a great passage on what an ideal Christian community is like. I would love to be part of this. And often we end up looking at what this community did, how they did it, how how can I be a part of a community that's like this? And yet often we miss the reason that these early believers were together is because they had been with Jesus. They had seen the resurrected Christ. And far too often I find myself looking at the periphery, at what they do, at the outcomes, at at the other stuff, as opposed to looking at the center and looking at Jesus. The periphery is much easier. Stay at the edges. It's okay. Be a fringe person. As opposed to looking right at the center and seeing Jesus. That's when things get scary. I find that far too often we jump into how to do biblical community, especially on a small group Sunday. It was so tempting as I was preparing to just get into the how-to of small group. This is what we need to do. Maybe that's just personality. But we forget the source of community, the resurrected Christ. When we read Acts chapter 2, it's assumed that we realize that Jesus is the center of what they're doing and why they do it. And far too often we look at an ideal passage and we forget that Jesus is the center and the source of this community. When Jesus is at the center, community is created, love is experienced, people are trained in obedience, others are served, and the gospel is proclaimed. And that is how we describe our four steps of discipleship. And today I want to talk a little bit more about how these look in the context of our small groups. But it's pointless if we don't realize that Jesus is at the center and the reason why we gather. So, quick review here. 
We're in a series called Discipleship at the Core, and each week we are looking at discipleship through the lens of our four core ministries. We have family ministries, corporate worship, missions, and small groups. Jesus is at the center. And that's where we want all of us to be, is at the center. Not just part of our corporate gathering, not just part of a small group, not just going on a missions trip, but being at part of all of that, living out full discipleship. Churches across Canada have been struggling to define discipleship. And what does that look like in our world today? So in spring, we had staff attempt to answer this challenge, and we came up with a four-step discipleship process. We're not intending to uh, create the perfect process. Our goal was simply to create something that's helpful, something that people could get their minds around. And we believe that these are four things that Jesus was all about. These aren't the four things that you just need to check off on a list. They are four ways that we need to embrace so that we can become more like Jesus. We say that discipleship, that for discipleship to happen, there needs to be four things. You need to create community. You need to experience and model Jesus' love. You need to train one another in obedience. And you need to serve others and proclaim the gospel. So my hope for today is to talk practically about small groups and how we disciple one another in our small group context. But it's far too easy to focus on the how-to and forget that we are gathering around Jesus. If we simply talk about the academic side, or we get into legalism of what needs to be practiced, we will simply elevate ourselves to the role of the modern-day Pharisee. And instead, we need to talk about discipleship and be conscious of how Jesus is transforming us. So on the front of your bulletin, there is a question. Simple question. Do you want to be a disciple? To be a disciple isn't to be a learner about Jesus. To be a disciple is to be an imitator of Jesus. A first century Jewish disciple didn't just want to learn what their rabbi knew, They wanted to be like their rabbi. Discipleship is the process of learning to imitate and be like, be transformed into the image of Jesus. I believe that as we gather around Jesus, that we will become about the things that Jesus was about. We will be transformed into his image. For those of you that are new here, our mission as a church, as we state it, is we are all about transformation in Jesus Christ. That is what this church is about. That's what it means to be a disciple. This four-step process isn't incremental. One, two, three, then four. These are four things that all need to be present and oftentimes get mixed up, and you'll even find that as I continue on here. But for the sake of simplicity, I'll try and separate as much as I can at least a little bit, but you'll recognize that there's a lot of overlap pretty quickly. Okay? So we're going to start by looking at creating community. Community is where it all starts with Jesus. Not only was he living in a Middle Eastern culture where uh, community and hospitality were extremely high values, 
But Jesus went out of his way to make community. He was a master at welcoming in outcasts, elevating in the elevating the downtrodden. For beggars, prostitutes, traitors, the poor, the blind, they were all invited into Jesus' family. As I said already, Jesus redefined family to become a broader community that included anyone who was willing to do his will. After his resurrection, after his ascension, the disciples gathered together and they started to wonder who could be part of this community. By the time we get to the book, the end of the book of Acts, we have anyone, including slaves, women, and even Gentiles that could be part of Christ's new kingdom. Radical change in their world. So all of a sudden, we have Jews and Gentiles, men and women, slaves and free, rich and poor, together in unity, worshiping Jesus. And this continues throughout the New Testament and continues on to us today. As we think about creating community in the context of small group, I would plead for diversity, yet unified in Christ. As an example, we've seen many people grow as they've entered into an intergenerational small group. The wider the, demogra- the demographics in your group, the greater potential for significant spiritual growth, broadening the base of your experience of those who are around you. And with that comes the potential for even greater issues. Let me discuss briefly how to address potential issues as we grow in diversity. There's a saying that only a demanding common task can build community. In order to create community, you need to have a demanding common task. So, if you are in community, what is, if you're in a small group, what is your task? What is your purpose? Why are you meeting as a small group? Is it common? Do you all agree on it? Can you name that task? Is it demanding enough? Not just something that's tough to fit into an already busy schedule, but is it something that's worth sacrificing for? The mission or the demanding common task will likely unite a diverse group of people. If a diverse group of people want to get together for the sake of being community or a community of diverse people, the chances are slim that it will last if they're gathering together simply to be community, unless that's seen as the mission. In our small groups, we can't forget that we are not creating community for the sake of creating community. We are creating community centered around Christ And we need to be about his mission. There are a lot of people that uh, aren't in small groups. And for many, it's not because they're actually too busy, although that's part of it. But in their mind, there are groups that simply aren't worth joining, worth sacrificing something for. I, uh, I talked to various different people, some of them guys, some of them women, and I kind of have come up with this small group scale to address 
if a group is, is worth attending. I hear in the back of my head as I create groups around here and put people together, I think, I think it through and, and I, I hear that a voice saying, do you mean that I need to cheer up giving, cheer, give up cheering for my favorite football team on Monday night so that I can pray and eat dainties? That person might have some misguided passion. But I bet you that the Monday nighter would get recorded, not missed, recorded, if there was a group of people that was on a mission to smuggle Bibles into China, to rebuild a home, to deliver food to a single mom, or help a family that just lost a loved one. We are creating community centered around Christ, and we need to be about his mission. It needs to be something worth sacrificing something for. Missing the Monday nighter. It's so important. We need to be about his mission. For us as believers, what is the mission of Jesus? What can we all agree on as the common demanding task that is more important than Monday night football? I believe the demanding common task of Jesus is go, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. Matthew 28, verse 19. In a small group, clarify your mission. Clarify your purpose. Are you clear on why you meet? This last week I sent out to uh, uh, small group leaders a resource uh, using our Right Now Media. Uh, Its it purpose is to help small group leaders clarify how some of this gets lived out within the context of their small group. If you're interested in receiving this and you're not a small group leader, or if you're a small group leader and didn't get it, uh, please contact the, uh, the office for that. As a community, as a church, a small group, we have the demanding common task of making disciples, baptizing and training people to obey. As we create community around Christ, we will become about these things. Uh, the third step. Again, these aren't in any order. I'm going to skip ahead. Uh, as a small group, are you training one another in obedience? How do we train? I suggest uh, Breen's approach uh, of intentional invitation and intentional challenge. This isn't just reaching. Uh, this isn't just uh, uh, teaching or telling one another what to do. Training in the way of Jesus is intentionally walking alongside of one another. This is training partners in the gym. This is sparring partners in the ring. A simple way to do this is to ask two questions. You can do this with one another. You can do this in a, in a small group. The two questions are this. What is Jesus doing in your life? Invitation question. Second question. What are you going to do about it? The challenge question. If Jesus is doing something in your life, you will be doing something about it. If you're doing something about it, Jesus will be doing something in your life. There's invitation and there's challenge. In a small group, training in obedience could mean something as simple as helping someone understand how to find a certain book in their Bible. Or it could mean holding someone accountable to an area of struggle. Or it could mean practicing disciplines together. The list goes on and on. Small group leaders. Who are you training to be the next small group leader? Training one another in obedience can be done by peers once you both have a good grasp on 
what you are trying to achieve. However, this is where we get into the second point, experiencing and modeling Jesus' love. Are you, are you living like someone, are you giving someone the tools that they need to lead? You see, you, you can't train one another and you can't model Jesus' love to someone else if you've never experienced it for yourself. The second point. The disciples in the early church, they knew about Jesus' love. They had experienced it. In our, in our passage from Acts chapter 2, think about who was there. Who's part of this community? Is Zacchaeus there? Zacchaeus, the, the, the little man, the tax collector, after meeting Jesus, says he'll sell four times, sell in return four times the amount that he's ripped off people. Was he there? Now poor? Sold the cabin and the boat just to return the money? Blind Bartimaeus? Was he there? He received his sight. Is he now still looking around in awe of the world that he is seeing still for the first time? These people's lives were changed because they experienced Jesus and then likely they went out and lived it publicly. They modeled it in front of people. People would have seen the change in front of these guys. When we experience Jesus' love, like Zacchaeus or Bartimaeus, we naturally model it. We live it out in front of others. Jesus said in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And then Jesus as the example modeled it as he laid down his life as a sacrifice for our sin. The difference between modeling and training in, in our approach, the way we describe it, is that modeling is how you live, is what others see, and training or is more the teaching and learning uh, about obedience. Modeling gets lived out day to day. Training is something that is intentionally sought out from others or with others. So in a small group, as you experience Jesus' love, do others see your group as a group that's been with Jesus? Is the reputation of your group that you live out the things that Jesus was about? Compassionate to one another. Empathy for those who are hurting. Caring for one another's needs. If you've been with Jesus, if you've experienced Jesus, the gifts of the Spirit will come out for the sake of the church. This is where I think a lot of our small groups uh, have great times where they gather together and experience and model Jesus' love to one another. But please remember that this is only one of our four steps. We need to have all four. The one that I suspect is the toughest for most of our small groups is still to come. It is out of Christ's love, trained in obedience, and as a community that we go and we serve others and we proclaim the gospel. Acts chapter 2 shows us how they gathered together. They remembered Jesus' sacrifice by breaking bread. They trained one another in obedience by reminding each other of the words of Jesus. They saw signs. They saw wonders. They ate together. And I think it's safe to assume that they enjoyed the favor of the people so much so that people wanted to join them because they were serving, because they were proclaiming the gospel. The gospel literally means the good news of Jesus. 
As we center around Jesus in community, we will not be complete disciples if we do not serve the outsiders. Jesus didn't condemn his family. Instead, he invited them in to a broader family where he was at the center. The disciples wondered and they even argued about greatness. Mark chapter 9, uh, verse 35, Jesus stops them and he gathers people around him. And at the center of this gathering is Jesus and he says, if you want to be first, you must be last and the servant of all. Go serve people. As I said before, discipleship consists of invitation and challenge, and this fourth step is clearly on the side of challenge. In a small group setting, I know we have a lot of groups that care deeply about one another, and they care for one another's needs, and that is necessary, definitely, for our groups for a time. But that is not the end goal. Stopping at caring for one another indefinitely is, a create, is creating community for the sake of creating community. We can't indefinitely look inward within the safety of our own group. Eventually, we need to look outwardly. The goal is to serve others as a community. Proclaim the gospel as a community. This means that others will join your community where they can experience Jesus' love, where they can be trained and eventually train others in obedience to God's word. If your small group is missing you, uh, is miss- if this is missing in your group, you need to take some bold steps to look for others outside of your own group. To do this, start praying together as a group. Ask God to show you who your group needs to serve and who you need to proclaim the gospel to. In uh, Acts chapter 2, the believers gathered together in the temple courts, publicly. Temple courts were centers of the community. Lots of people, lots of traffic. The believers were there where people gathered. They knew the needs of the people. Now we gather around coffee shops and jobs uh, sites and school cafeterias. We gather around the news of our day. Those are key places to find out what are the needs of the people around us. And as a community, how can we serve others and proclaim the gospel? It's my hope that our small groups are key places where we live out our mission of transformation in Jesus Christ.